Hello, and welcome to Tuesday Topics. This is Paul Edwards. I am your host, and that was Larry Gassman, who is our streamer for the evening, but who presented a silent disclaimer. I heard it um, from here. It sounded good leaving here. I'm not sure why you didn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's excellent. Thank you, sir. We'll fix um, it on the broadcast for the West Coast. Tuesday Topics, um, Tuesday Topics tonight is actually talking about what, what I think is a very important subject, and that is issues that are facing blind people who are seniors. So far, we have two panelists with us. We hope that at some point we will have uh, another one. So far, Jeff Tom is not with us, but we do have Terry Pacheco, who's been doing a series of community calls over the last few weeks uh, about seniors. Um, she made the mistake of asking me to be her, her guest um, one of those weeks, and I managed to put people to sleep pretty quickly. But um, we That's also true. have Sandy Troiano, um, who is in a slightly different position than many of us who are blind. A lot of us become seniors having been blind most of our life. Sandy, on the other hand, operates uh, with a situation where she, in fact, lost her vision, or most of her vision, only about 10 years ago, and has had to adjust to being blind um, much later in life, and therefore probably has a very different perspective of both what it's like to lose vision, but also um, perhaps what the, the role of ACB may need to be um, if we're going to reach out to folks like her. So I'd like to welcome both of my panelists, and I'm going to ask them both some questions. I'm going to start with Terry. Tell us a little bit about your community show, Terry. What made you decide to do it? Um, how has it gone, and what's its future? Thank you, Paul. Um, visit, we're calling our show, our show Visibilities. That's V-I-S, Abilities, Visually Impaired Seniors Abilities. And what I guess the pandemic kind of brought it really into my head and all of the Zoom calls that we've been, um, that ACB has been doing on, the commu on community. And I was looking at it from the perspective, I recently was hospitalized. My husband uh, was, had some medical issues last year. And I really started thinking about how we were being handled, if you will, um, it, by the medical profession in particular. Um, we went to one doctor who immediately, the three days after we visited him for the first time, I got this phone call from a community health center or something uh, because we had automatically been referred to them as probably needing services because we were blind. I'm partially, I've always been legally blind um, and my husband is totally blind, but we certainly didn't need any services because we're both very, very, very used to our, to both of our visual uh, situations and have, you know, had a very successful life. Um, we've owned our own homes. We've traveled pretty extensively. We have our son. Um, we've both had long careers uh, that we just didn't, that I was more infuriated, I guess, by this just automatic assumption that we couldn't do anything ourselves. 
and we had had some other experiences with the medical profession in the past um, that were at least as bad, if not worse. And I said, you know, we need to look at a major part of the, a major um, demographic of ACB are people in our situation, people who have been blind and are used to being blind and are used to having, uh, developing their own safety nets and, uh, and our own um, services to others in, in many cases. We've been caregivers um, ourselves and that kind of thing. And I said, we need to look at what we have for abilities as seniors and, and go forth with that in a number of different ways. And um, so we've, we've had uh, some very good calls. We had Paul on one night. We've had Jeff Tom on as president of Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. Um, we had a, a clinical gerontologist on a couple of weeks ago who talked about relationships that families have with people experiencing early stages of dementia and Alzheimer's disease, that kind of thing. This coming week, we're doing the show Thursday night. We have our show with Thursday night on set at seven o'clock on Zoom and on ACB community uh, radio. And we're doing one on finances. And, you know, what do we do with it? Many people, uh, we know that there are a lot of people who are recently who have recently lost vision um and they're dealing with an awful lot and they're but it's one set of circumstances it one set of sit, one situation sometimes that and that can overlap with those of us who have been dealing with blindness all our lives but we are two different groups in some ways in some ways we're not but in some ways we are and i'd like to do some melding of the two groups um, and that's Would you something say, else next week that we're going to be carrying on with um, our next Thursday, the 27th, is going to be something much more along those lines. Would, would you say that for the most part you focused on, on issues that would operate for both groups, which, which kind of has the impact of mostly dealing with older folks who have been blind for a long time? Yeah, I would put it that way. Yeah, I think so. We have we have a mix. <clears throat> we have um, some very faithful followers that have been blind for two, three, four, five years, um, yep. but we have the majority probably have been blind most of their lives. And 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 those those new people get lots of tips and tricks from from the that's, calls because exa yeah. exactly, and that's where I think ACB needs to be going in the future. Mm -hmm. So, Miss Sandy. You're in a kind of a different situation. Tell us a little about your life and, and tell us a little bit about how you lost vision and tell us about your experience after that happened. Well, thank you, Paul. Appreciate being a part of this panel. Um, as Paul noted, I, well, I'm 66 now and I lost my sight pretty much in the fall of 2009. I was born with cataracts and they were removed during the 1950s and I ended up with what's known as secondary glaucoma. It's not the type that most people get. Most people get primary glaucoma if they get it at all, and that just comes usually with age where pressure builds up 
for no apparent reason. Secondary glaucoma is when there's been damage to your eye and that damage leads to the pressure building up and it's much harder to treat. So anyone who has regular glaucoma, don't let my case scare you. It's the secondary one that has worse results. But I was able to hold on to my sight for a very long time. I lost sight in my eyes never worked together and I lost sight in my weaker eye in 1994 from an operation that went awry. I became legally blind in my good eye in 2004 and held though until about 2009. My goal was to keep as much sight as possible where my sons were in school and thankfully it lasted until they got into college. That was my goal. I was a practicing attorney and retired about a year and a half ago and I've 10 years into being blind, 11 years now, I guess it is, I've adjusted. I, like most blind people, don't think much about blindness. My focus is on other things, just going about life. And I, you know, until something calls my attention to it, I hear this great thing about going, why don't you come to this island and see these beautiful waterfalls and sunsets? And I want to say, Rick, let's go. And I, oh, wait a minute. Maybe I won't get a whole lot out of that. But for most of the time, I don't think about it. I'm okay with blindness. I wasn't always so sanguine about it. I think back to what it was like when I was losing sight. And I had a mixture, a combination of anxiety, frustration, and a sense of loss. And as I was listening to an AAVL meeting the other night, it dawned on me that we really, if we want to help people who are losing sight at an older age, we need to talk to them about the fears, the anxieties, not just show them the skills that they need, but also give them the support that they need, help them validate maybe some of their feelings. And if you like, Paul, I'd like to go into some of the feelings and emotions that I went through during that time, because I think they will seem unusual to people who've been blind their whole life. Go for it, Sandy. One of the first things that I recall back in that period was this fear of a sense of a loss of identity that people would begin to stop thinking of me as Sandy and begin thinking of me as the blind person. Would my family, my friends begin to have to wonder how they'd have to accommodate me, that I'd become a burden, would they not want to do things with me? And this wasn't an idle fear. I had one friend who, when we went walking, she started pointing out every obstacle in my path. Even though I told her my cane was going to find them, she focused on my blindness. When we went inside a restaurant, she was very focused on ordering, on where the food was on the plate, on all the kind. She was so focused on my blindness that we didn't have anything else. I had another friend who said to me directly, well, I don't know what we can do anymore. You don't want, you won't want to go to museums or movies. This was before audio description. So what can we do? I hope I said to her, no, those things would be fine. But I think I was so taken aback by the comment, I don't even remember how I responded. A friend of mine who is losing sight to RP fought using the cane for a long time, wouldn't take paratransit because she didn't her, want her friends to see it. Even though we told her, you know, they're gonna see you stumble without it, she fought it. And this isn't vanity. This isn't because she thought less of blind people. It was that she didn't want her friends to stop focusing on her as herself and to begin thinking of her as the blind person. The best thing that helped me through this was my two sons who were in college at the time I lost sight because they ignored my blindness. If I asked them for help, they'd give it to me, sometimes a little slowly and a little reluctantly, but they give it, to, but they never volunteered it. They just, and, and that 
for me worked well because it meant they still were thinking of me as mom and not as the blind one. So that, that was one big thing that sounds strange, but that potential loss of identity. The next thing that no. I remember, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. The next thing that I remember feeling at the time was a loss of privacy. And this came about in a number of ways. When I tried to practice mobility with a cane, I would go from the office where I was working down to a favorite lunch spot, and I'd walk along 19th Street in D.C. It was probably the worst mistake I ever made because there was very broad sidewalk, no grass line, a whole bunch of obstacles. Even if you had perfect sight, you couldn't walk a straight line because of all the obstacles. And I was trying to negotiate five blocks of it and then cross a six-lane street. And there was a light, but not an audible one. So, of course, I was stumbling and making a fool. And all these people would come and offer help. And I kept thinking, where's my anonymity? I used to be able to walk in the crowd and be lost. And now everyone's looking at me and I'm seeing me as a clumsy whatever. It, it was that loss of anonymity and feeling like all the eyes were on. A friend of mine who had lost sight as a teenager told me, you know, we're all involuntary stirrers. Another way where I lost privacy is I used to be able to go into a, a store and buy whatever I wanted and maybe the cashier would see it but no one else would it was my business and yet now I had to go with a friend or a family member and have them find things and sometimes you know they'd put in their own judgment one friend who you don't want to buy that that's not organic or you don't want to buy that that's not sodium it's like I didn't have the privacy to just pick and choose what I wanted I know that's some believe now that we can do online shopping, though we all know that we don't always get what we think we're getting from Amazon or food delivery. But yep. it, it's that sense of privacy. That's, uh, it sounds like a little thing, but it really felt like a big loss. And the third Makes thing it I, hard to binge on chocolate, doesn't it? It sure does. <laughs> <laughs> the third thing I remember is that I wanted to make as few changes in my life as possible. I had my life. I liked my life. I didn't want to have to learn a whole lot of new things. So I guess I learned the numbers one through 10 in Braille, thinking it would help in an elevator. Those, those thoughts bumps were always too small for me to feel. But I didn't learn Braille after that. I, don't get me, I think Braille is so important for children because you can't learn spelling or punctuation without it. But I was 55 when I went blind. I can get my Amazon Echo or Google Home to spell something or spell it out with JAWS. I, so I probably never learned Braille because I don't have the need and I don't have the ambition to put in all that effort. I um, had a friend who, unfortunately, he's passed away, but he used to hold the phone up as close as he could to his face because he was losing vision and on high magnification. And we'd tell him, if you use voiceover, it'd be a lot easier. Nope, he was he was holding on to that vision. He once asked me to show him JAWS, and I thought, oh, great, I'll show him how to use He didn't want to learn JAWS. What he wanted to see is that it was possible to do JAWS so that if he ever did need it some distant, distant time in the future, then it would be available. So maybe he should have learned some of this a little earlier because he tried to send me a thank you note afterwards and spell check got him in trouble. Instead of writing, I want to thank you for helping, he wrote, I want to spank you for helping. <laughs> and <laughs> I never let him live that one down. Well, it might have been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> There's another guy I knew about eight years or so. He's a friend of a friend. He called me up and he said, I'm losing my sight. How am I going to find my stop on the D.C. Metro? 
I don't know if the DC Metro announces stops nowadays because I've been away from that area, but back then it was intermittent and that's what he wanted. And I, you know, told him, oh, you can count your stops, whatever. And let me tell you about Newsline and let me tell you about NLS talking books and all to make your life. No, I don't want to hear it. I just want to know how to count stops. He called me a year later and said, I need to learn JAWS now because of my job. So what's the best source in D.C. to get this training? How do I do it? And I told him and said, well, you want to hear about Newsline? No, no, I just, he didn't want to make other changes. Is you have a life, unlike someone who's younger and blind and wants to learn it all so you can gain independence, ours is not gaining it. We've already had it. Ours is trying to keep what we had and not, have to change our life and perhaps that's common for anyone getting older you get into routines and patterns but that's the person losing sight later in life you can't push them to learn a cane or anything else until they know they're ready it'll just backfire you, you just can't the thing that so, helped i'm sorry so sandy um what do you think what do you think that acv needs to do for people like you how how can we reach out to folks like you in in an appropriate and affirmative way oh i think that first of all the people listening in here are way ahead of where i was because as i lost sight i would never have thought of joining acp or any organization like that i reached out to my state rehab department because i needed to to keep my job but at that time in maryland where i lived all that they would do is give me things necessary to maintain a job. They showed me how to use JAWS on the computer and they gave me mobility training and nothing else. Nothing about recreation, entertainment, or how I felt or any support. And I didn't go looking for it. I got through blindness because of that one friend I had. He became my one-on-one -on -one guide into blindness and walked me through and told me about all this. And about five years into my blindness, I read about a blind and visually impaired dragon boat team. And I thought, let me try that because I love the water and this way they'll understand my blindness. And that was probably one of the best things I could have done because I saw people on that team. I, I saw how they asked for help with dignity when they needed it and how they acted on their own when they could. And it, it, almost by osmosis, I learned from them. And I did it was a group that wasn't focused on the blindness. If I'd had to focus on the blindness, I probably would have run like hell. But they were focused on moving the boat. And they showed me that you could have a life after blindness where your focus didn't have to be on blindness. <coughs> and that, that got me through it. So to answer your question, I think to the extent that we can show people, one, support them with whatever fears, anxieties, emotions they're having, discuss it with them, let them have a place to air it and have someone respond to them, be their guide. If anyone on this call ever wants to talk to me, please uh, get my contact and I'd be happy to talk to you because I had my guide to blindness and I'd be happy to pay it forward. And I think we, have to, I think we have to offer activities where people can do something that they like where they don't have to always focus on the blindness, whether it was my dragon boat team or whether it's some other type of recreation or entertain, some type of, and Cindy's calls are really helping with this, I think, but to offer some type of thing where people can take the focus off the blindness and yet we as blind people can set the example for those losing sight. Because if you're losing sight, the best thing you can possibly do is to talk to someone who's been there before you. Excellent. So. You talked about a, a, a thing you described as AAVL, and since Jeff is not here, at least I don't think he is, um, 
we're going to have to talk about AAVL. So, Sandy, would you, I, I think you're on the board, so tell us what AAVL is. AAVL is a special interest affiliate of the American Council. It, the initials stand for um, Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. And I was on the board until I got term limited off about a year or so ago, but I'm still involved with it because I maintain the content on its website. Um, it is a group, I think membership now is up close to 60 people. It, its board meets about once a month, but anyone's welcome to join in those phone calls. And it has, you know, meetings during the ACB convention. It had virtual meetings this time, and it'll have live meetings and presentations when we go back to live conventions. And its goal is basically to deal with seniors, either people who are losing sight at an older age, or people who've lost sight at any age, but are now older. And it's to offer that type of support. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because it was started um, initially by uh, Oral Miller and, um, and a lady from California um, who is unfortunately gone now. Um, and, 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 but essentially AAVL in its, in its original bylaws that, that, that some of us think perhaps need to be changed focuses a lot on people who are losing their vision as a primary focus of the group rather than necessarily on working with people who've been blind all their lives. Um, and, and I, I think there's a, there's a good reason for that because I think, I think uh, the folks who started the organization really wanted to figure out a way that ACB could do a better job of outreaching to what is actually a huge population. Um, statistics say that, well over half the blind people in this country are over the age of 60. And the statistics also say um, that, that probably 30 or 35% of the people who are blind um, don't lose their vision until 60. So there, there really is this huge population out there that's, uh, that's waiting um, to be encouraged um, and waiting to be recruited, if you like. Um, we talk a lot about recruiting young people, but there is a, a much larger population out there of seniors. Um, Should I Terry, say how I got into AAVL? Sure, it, go ahead. I, as I said, I would never have joined ACB back when, when I was losing sight. It would never have entered my head, but I had that Dragon Boat team, and come the end of the Dragon Boat season, I didn't want to stop seeing the people who I'd become friends with on the team. And one of those was a certain Oral Miller. And since he was in the D.C. Council of the Blind, I decided to join the council so I could see him and some of the other people. And then he invited me to come and speak at the AAVL meeting in um, 2014 because he said, this is an organization for people who are losing sight at an older age, but almost all of them have been blind their whole life. So you better tell them what it's like. Excellent. Terry, um, what do you what, what do you think ACB might consider in terms of get, getting uh, or making an effort to reach out to this huge untapped group? I think that there are a number of um, possibilities. One of which is reaching out to, as I say, reaching out to some of our own members who, like myself. Um, have been who have, have had low vision or been 
um, legally blind, even just low vision, who are losing it at an, at a, at an older age. Um, I think we need to reach out to them. Uh, I think there are a lot of issues there that nobody else is really addressing, um, you know, and then that's not really a, ref a, a criticism of Council of Citizens with low vision, but like with, low, with almost anything to do with partially sighted or people with any kind of low vision, everybody's vision is different. And I think the group that we are not, um, we are not connecting with, uh, one group anyhow, is kind of where Sandy's saying she was up until 10 years ago. People who have low who have low vision, um, but don't, for the lack of a better way of putting it, who don't function as a blind person, who well, function who as don't a person want to, who don't want to function as a blind person either. Well, that's, absolutely, who are running like hell from it. But yeah. but the point is, who also don't because there are there are things that there are a lot of things that people who have usable vision can do differently, not better necessarily, but differently than someone who's totally blind. Um, yes, Zoom, Zoom, Zoom is an example. <laughs> Zoom is an example. Everyone, almost everyone who's doing all of these Zoom calls are using a screen reader for it. We have almost no one who doesn't use a screen reader who's, running, who's uh, hosting Zoom calls. I think there's one other person besides myself, um, that kind of thing. You know, I actually sort laundry by the color of it. Um, I'm, you know, that kind of thing. Those issues, and that's a that's a big population that we're not that we're not addressing well. Um, another group that we're not addressing well are people who who actually do need a lot of services beyond um, just learning how to use a cane. Um, I think some of the things that Sandy has just said are excellent. I myself have lost some of my vision through age and such and other complications um, over the last few years. And I finally started using a cane, but it took me a long time to get used to doing that. And I've been an ACB since 1972. So, um, yep. You know, that kind of thing, that there are a lot of, that there's a lot that, there's a lot of, a lot of services and issues that I think we could help each other with that we're not doing. When, you know, back, I remember back when our Oral and Teddy Joy started AAVL, and one of the biggest problems that they had with that organization was, I remember MJ Schmidt saying it to me time and time again, um, we go to a to a conference to a, a some kind of a show. There used to be a show in Chicago that they used to go to, and the people that came by who were losing vision would say, "Oh, I don't need you yet. I don't need you." That kind of thing. That whole acceptance thing um, is such an issue. But that's one issue. But the other part of that is, no, you may not need to be dealing with total blindness right now. But you should be getting services that are, are interacting with people who are in the same situation you are. And maybe we should be doing more peer support type groups. Um, I think that would be great, peer support. 
for that yeah, that I, population. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's there's, a, there's another whole necessary. Group. Yeah, yeah, that's I, it. I, I think, think that that's a whole group right. that's not being addressed. You, you another group about, that's another interesting group that's not being addressed that is starting to get into the age into an age issue isn't quite there yet, but is something that ACB should be looking at in the future. And that's the, the rather significant population of people who's blind, who, are, who are blind or low, have low vision, who that, that is not their primary disability. Right. That's another whole kettle of fish. That, and it's it another whole, it's a, another whole demographic that we're not, that we're and not it's, really And it's another at. whole show, so. Yeah, it is. It would be. <laughs> you talk about people and acceptance and giving them the services. But it's important to understand the reasons why people might not be wanting to use a cane. And that's why I go back to that lack of privacy, that lack of fear of loss of identity. Because if you're going to deal with people being reluctant to use a cane or accept other services, it's good to try to understand what's going through their mind recognize it. I know someone once asked me when I started using a cane, well, why don't you give a name to your cane? So I told her I'm going to call it anathema. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the other realities that operates for um, seniors is that most of the time um, seniors, whether they want to or not, are likely not going to be going to work. And that means they don't qualify for vocational rehabilitation funding. And it essentially means um, that there is very little money that's, that's allocated at the federal level. There's the older blind program where $33 million is allocated altogether. And that $33 million has to be spread all over the 50 states and territories. So there's very little to go around. Any additional Something like funding... I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. Something yep. like 120. It's something like 126 or 160 dollars per person in this state is what's allocated at this point for blind for older blind services. That's and, absolutely and, inexcusable. Yep. So more more important than that is there are these huge programs that are operated by area agencies on aging where there are centers where people are encouraged to go. But typically I think that if people who are losing their vision go there, um, they don't really receive very many services and essentially get discouraged from being there because they sit in the corner ignored. So that is at least to a point, um, the plight, the, the, both the financial plight and, and if you like the social plight um, that faces seniors right now. How might That's, how might we act to change those things? There's, I think there are a couple of ways of changing that. Um, I know here in our area, um, we happen to have someone who worked in the library, uh, in our local library, who got very involved with the blindness community through someone who was losing sight, and. Our, and got involved with the um, county's disability um, council on disabilities. We just, our county just built a brand new library, senior center and rec center 
Fortunately, it's five houses up the street from me. I can't wait for the pandemic to be over. But they made such a point of making that building completely disability, completely accessible. It's, uh, they even have a track that even has a rail on it to, that doesn't have anything to stop you from holding onto it all the way around. It's nice. a walking track. Things like that. They've done a fabulous job with it. But the key was that people who actually live in the area and people who pay taxes to this county, who are losing vision, who are blind, who have low vision, what have you, worked together to get those things accomplished. And that's what needs to be done. It's not that somebody from um, Wisconsin uh, works on getting something done in South Carolina. It's when you get the personal, the personal interaction. And it, an example is when we bought the house that we have now uh, five years ago, we have a crosswalk down the, uh, almost next door, almost next to our house to cross our street. And I went through the typical, the typical uh, channels to try and get an APS put on it. And they told me that they had... Oh, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. APS? What's that? An accessible pedestrian signal. I had Thank to make it God. the right term. Um, <laughs> that, that, would, that would talk. And that's another... That's APS is accessible pedestrian signals, I think, is another whole show that needs to be done again um, at some point. And maybe we should look at doing that sometime in the near future. But my point was that we went, I went through the typical channels. They told me my, my intersection would be, I'm sorry, there's a fire truck going by. There we go. Would be number 288 of 450 or something that they were doing. I got on the, I said, okay, I'm getting on my computer. And I wrote a note about the, about the situation and that we were blind, that we had friends that were blind, we needed to use this, this uh, crosswalk on a regular basis. And I sent it to each member of the county council. We had that in, in less than a month. We had that in, that That's signal nice. changed over to an accessible signal. It's the, but that is the key, is you need to use, the, the people in your area need to use their personal contacts. They are the constituents and they're the ones that are going to be voting for their, everyone's re-elections. And I think that's a really important way to, to get a lot of this done. Very good. Sandy, any thoughts? I think that going back to your original question, you have to get the people who are working in these centers to recognize that blind people are more than just blind people, that they're persons. I think my experience coming down to Florida was almost the reverse of what I had when I lived in Maryland. There I was worrying about my loss of identity. Here, everyone I met meets me first as a blind person, and then they have to learn to start seeing me not as a blind person, but as Sandy. And it comes around. It takes time. I can almost pinpoint with each new person when it's beginning to make that change. But I think these people in these centers that you're talking about are still looking at the people with sight loss as the blind people as opposed to individuals. And I think you have to start working with them to begin to get them to see us as individuals. I think that I think so, you're absolutely right, Sandy. I think that the difference that comes, the thing that comes into is that we have to work with them. And I guess that's where I got sidetracked. We have to work with them and show that we are an individual who mm -hmm. is blind. We are not a blind person. We are a person who is blind. 
and, I think and that's and that is one of one of our characteristics it's not the primary characteristic exactly and i think we have to work with the state rehab departments to get them not only to give senior services but to take services beyond just those that are necessary for to get a keep a job or basic living but to get into things like books availability of nls talking books or newsline or that there is a dragon boat team for blind they have when we i tried to get the people in maryland to even let their clients know about the dragon boat we can't do that that's beyond our mission we can't send out your flyer or pass out your flyer. so they ends up being very very limited services in the people who might most need them won't find them and at this point i'd like to give a little plug for the aabl website because i decided I first did this for the DC Council website, and then I did the same concept for AABL, that it wasn't gonna be just an ACB affiliate website, it was gonna be a resource for anyone who lost sight or was losing sight in DC. It was for anyone in the metropolitan area, for AABL, it's for anyone in the country. The website has nine pages. It goes through a page with all sorts of resources you can look at. It goes through a page with certain events, such as the convention and other things. It has a page that talks about all the technologies that are possible, all the apps that you can use, all the Amazon Echoes, everything that could help a blind person um, on to go to go grandparents. I have a page with mobility. I have a page on entertainment and all the options you can have for theater and movies and museums and all that. And because we've got to get the word out. We've got to make these at least websites available. So if someone can go searching, they can know where to look for these things or at least know that these things are available. So one of the I'm so glad you know you're uh, the one that's doing that website because I would love to talk to you about a few other things I'd like to put on it. And I didn't know who was doing it. You think so anyone in DC hearing. took it over? No, I, I ended up taking the responsibility to Florida with me because no one else took it over. And AABL one for anyone's interested, it's AABL um, dash. I think it. I have bookmarks. I have trouble remembering, but I think it's AABL dash blind dash seniors dot org. Very good. So that's excellent, and we'll do our contact information in that at the end of the show. So I'll give you guys time to tell other people how to get hold of you. Let's talk about one other thing. And then I think in, in a few minutes, we'll start opening it for some more discussion. Um, but the thing that I want to talk about is, do either of you have suggestions as to how we can break down the barrier that seems to exist uh, between serving blind people and um, and and all of these aging outfits. So I'm, you know, I'm particularly concerned about area agencies on aging and that, which really, which really do nothing um, for blind people, as far as I'm concerned, or virtually nothing. I mean, I I grant you've got this nice senior center, and I'm sure we'll hear from Larry as the evening goes on. Another Larry who will tell us about some of the work that he's done in San Antonio. But the truth is that for the most part, um, folks have senior centers and, um, and, and, and blind people just aren't welcome there. And, and we have to change that. So I'd like to, as a last thing, get your thoughts as to what we might do. 
again, it's a question of educating the people running those centers to look at blind people, not as a monolith, but as individuals and see if they can work yep. with them. Educate them as to the skills, the things that blind people can do, that we're not helpless, that we can do very many things. We may need some accommodations, but we can accomplish a great deal. The same way that we had to teach the teachers who are handling blind students how much could be done. We have to deal with these people and teach them. I think you have a good point. But what we also need is some of their money. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, because too. They, they get a lot more money um, than Blind Services does. By the way, Sandy, I don't know if you know, but Florida actually um, managed something of a coup this year. We persuaded the legislature to give us 300000 extra dollars to serve seniors. Wow. Wonderful. I'm always amazed when the Florida legislature does something I like, so good. <laughs> <laughs> Me, too. Terry, last thought before we open it up. Um, I think again, I think we need to look, especially with the senior centers. There's, you know, the internet's a fabulous place. We we could do mass mailings. We could do mass emails to senior centers. Um, if each state affiliate, maybe, um, or AAVL, as on a national level, I'm thinking a little bit, not quite so huge a job for them. Uh, for AVL, but to do to do local um, to to do a mailing out um, that we have contacts who would be happy to we have volunteers we have contacts who would be happy to work with you on yep. making your your centers more access more available not necessarily accessible but available um, yeah. to to seniors in your, in your area. AAVL has talked a lot about um, forming state affiliates, and yeah, and I, I hope with, Sandy, with, with I hope Sandy will help me because I've committed to start one in Florida. So, wow, Sandy, <laughs> will you help? Absolutely. Very good, Mr. Rick. Yes, sir. An ECO, please. Hi, uh, can you hear me? We can, sir. Oh my God, so many things. I don't know where to start. Um, <laughs> so for, Paul knows me, but for those of you. They don't know me, so I, I, I've worked, I'm totally blind myself. I grew up in Portugal, moved to this country in my early 20s, and, uh, and then, uh, you know, after several, several things, I joined, I became, a, um, became involved with the field of blindness, and I've worked now in the field of blindness for the last 44 years. I just retired a few months ago and moved to Florida. Um, so... I was just so impressed, Sandy, with your ability to articulate the feelings that someone experiences when, um, when, when, they, you know, when, when they go through the loss of vision for the first time. Thank you. I remember uh, them well. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm sure you, you weren't able to articulate them then. No. But I, I think you're, you know, you can be so helpful to other people to understand that. Well, one of the things, and I, I probably talk later once the, the topic goes, goes there. But one of the things that I would suggest, uh, Paul, is, is, is to have, I mean, I'm thinking back of when I was directing programs in Georgia and, and New York and Atlanta and, uh, and, uh, and Maine, and how, how much I would have loved to be connected or be able to connect people, our clients, to resources like AVL and, and, and especially now these, obviously they didn't exist then, but the, all these community calls that are, now available through ACB that connect Amazing. people all over the country. Yep. I mean, that's some, um, yeah, it's, 
that's amazing. The other, the other thing that, well, two, two things, just very quickly. One is in terms of funding. I think you are right, Paul. We need to be able to access more all those aging dollars. Uh, when I was in Atlanta, I know that the agency I work for, we had a contract with a local agency that provided some, some funds towards that for us to do training in senior centers, et cetera. But a lot of it, I think it requires a, a closer connection with consumer groups and the agencies, which I think, you know, it doesn't exist in many cases, in many places. Mm -hmm. And then the other one, and this is the more controversial one. And I, I, I have to say in terms of funding, because I, I know that $33 million is not enough. And the $33 million for services for the elderly have been the same $33 million since I think the nineties, if I remember correctly. That's correct. Yep. So I really believe that <clears throat> for services for this large population of seniors of which I am one now, obviously, but um, I think we need to be able to access and take advantage of Medicare funds. That's not, it's, it's probably one of the most controversial things in the field of blindness, but it's something that I have advocated. And I think that the, the more we resist, I think the more we are portraying this picture to the sighted world, that blindness is just so difficult, is so unique that nobody else can deal with it. That's so you're you're saying we should in, we should encourage the use of Medicare dollars, kind of regardless uh, uh, of how well trained the people are who would deliver those services. No, no, no. I mean, obviously, you need to do. I mean, you need to do both, right? I mean, you need to. I mean, I know when I had not to just talk about my programs, but I had. I know I had a program in Atlanta where I was able to use OTs that I trained that I had trained and certified, so they were dually certified and they were able to provide services that were that were fundable. Excellent. You know, and I think yep. that's what it is. I mean, on the other hand, because on the other hand, the people that are not billable, visual rehab therapists, I mean, I've worked, as I said, in the field for 40 plus years. And one message that I've heard since the very first day I started working is that we don't have enough people. And in fact, we have a lot less people now than we did 40 years ago. Yep. So some groups, just, just to make it clear to everybody, and correct me if, if, if I'm misstating this, um, but some groups are fundable under, un, under, under Medicare, um, and, and the, but, but some are not. So rehab teachers, what we used to call rehab teachers, are not. Uh, orientation and mobility instructors are not. Right. Um, but... The we, we could be, I was in a webinar the other day to uh, professionals. And the, right. the reason I heard from one person, and, and again, it was one person, right? That said, you know, we looked into it for o &M, but the paperwork was just too much. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah. that's the way it is. <laughs> it comes with the territory. Yeah. And, 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 but I think you're right. I, I you know, I, I, I think there were, there were a bunch of other ways um, that that aid private agencies serving blind people all over this country have leveraged funding, um, and and some of those ways I think have 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 been really helpful and really good for blind folks. One of the things that I'm glad of is is our consumer uh, organization is now directly involved with the Vision Serve Alliance, um, and is and is working very closely with them. And I think that kind of connection is going to make a huge difference. 
agree. Uh, but Anisio, thank you so much for yep. for your input and your feedback. And we are so glad to have you in Florida when this um, when this quarantine ends. Sandy and you and I are going to get together, and we're going to we're going to sit down and solve the problems of the world. Absolutely. There um, you go. Thank you so much <laughs> for having the program. Yep. Thank you. All right, Mr. Rick. Yeah, Paul. Chris Bell, please. Chris. Hey, Paul. Hey, Rick. Hey, Chris. Um, so I was going to talk about area agencies on aging, but I wanted to, to just hit on your last point. Um, I went to a, uh, a, a general, a big general rehab hospital because of my learning disability. And what I discovered was occupational therapists uh, essentially can compete with, with rehab folks. I got a lot of training there from occupational therapists in terms of relating to my blindness and my, my learning disability. I didn't realize that there was that overlap between OT and, and rehab. And, and uh, I assume that OT is fundable over under Medicare. It, it, it is fundable under Medicare. And, and most of the vision, the, the, the specialized vision services are not. Um, and and right, what that's these meant guys is that a lot of... But these, yeah, but these guys weren't yeah. doing specialized vision services. They were working with somebody that, that had multiple disabilities. But in right. fact, they were helping me with the overlap between my blindness and, and these other issues. Yep, yep. So, it, so, so if, from a funding stream standpoint, it wouldn't look like what it, what it actually was, is what I'm saying. Excellent. Um, um, so now on area agencies and agency, I have to agree with you, and, and but I say this with sort of third hand because my wife Jo, who's also blind, uh, they had at the area agency and agent here, they had what they called an ambassador program, and she joined, and, and they had you know they trained people on all the different services they offered, but um, it wasn't simply a lack of of education. They just you know you'd have to kicking and screaming to get stuff in braille or or uh, in, in any kind of accessible format and they would send out stuff you know color flyers and all this crap and you know it really required more than education it required some pretty serious advocacy because they just weren't there they weren't in the place to say, oh yeah we'll, we'll be inclusive it's not where they were coming from and, you know, I think that's unfortunate because um, it, it's going to take a lot more effort, I think, to break into that system. Um, yes. And what, what occurred to me was it may be through, if, if you can connect into that system and find out, you know, who's getting meals on wheels or, or something, like that, who's, who's visiting people that are, you know, homebound, you're probably going to link into some people that are also having vision issues. Um, yeah. But I say that theoretically. I don't. I don't know. We have. There is actually a program that's been put together in Florida um, that I'm pretty excited about, um, where there is actually a partnership between um, the, the the association serving blind folks, uh, which is mm -hmm. a, a coalition of the um, the the private agencies that are serving folks in Florida. And um, a, a home health care where we are actually, or, or ASB is going to do training um, of the home health care workers um, so that they will, they will know how to recognize blindness issues and, and will do better working with blind people. And I think that's the kind of first step we need to make um, in, in that kind of area. 
and and I think the other thing that um, that I've done here uh, that I think makes a big difference is area agencies on aging are required to conduct uh, annual audits of their programs where where they where they do a public comment session. And I think blind people and, and folks interested in blindness issues need to go there and tell them what a horrible job they're doing and demand that they do more and, and try to create some opportunities for interaction, but also make it, make it clear on the record that these folks are essentially not serving this population. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I didn't even know they had to do that. Yeah. So this is Thank Jeff. You. I'm actually here. I've been and here for we are so glad to have you, Mr. Tom. I uh, totally apologize to everyone. I was still thinking it started at uh, 8, not 7, and so I was late. You were late. I was so, unpardonably late. You were. So let me, let me give you an opportunity, but you'll know next week that it's at 7. I will know, <laughs> yes. I will not <laughs> ever not know again so so let me give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and um and then we will we will um take some more calls in just a few minutes after we talk to jeff for a bit okay so um i am not really sure who i am at this hour of, of the day that's correct I'm jeff tom and i am the um President of the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, I think is my most appropriate title for the moment, um, mostly because I'm thrilled to be in that position. Uh, we have grown from 24 to, I don't quite know where we are at the moment, but we're around 70 and we keep growing. Uh, it was 24 two years ago and it's now 70, so that's real growth and we are trying to make I now ourselves feel like a veteran i've been a member for several years now. yeah yeah <laughs> so we're trying to make ourselves as relevant as we can and as important as other major special interest affiliates like you know cclvi and gdui because we feel that Essentially, seniors are the, you know, core. That's so of, rude. You didn't even mention mine. Yes. Well, no, I didn't. That, although I'm a member of that one, of both of them, both DRL and Lua. But I didn't mention those. Um, so I, I've got two strikes against me now. Can I go for three? Yeah, see? Um, yeah. yeah. So um, we want to be, you know, seniors are the core of this organization, and we want to make ourselves relevant to advocacy around the country. Um, we already have two states who are trying to form affiliates, and um, I did. I, I'm also wanted to mention that. Before either of those states did that, the late Burl Colley was very interested in forming an affiliate in Washington. His was the actually the the first sort of state that actually thought about doing it. And and you know I wanted to mention that because Burl was That's, was a, a real a great guy, strong advocate, and a great guy, of course, and and, and a wonderful friend to lots of us. So um, so you actually do have one state affiliate now, do you not, sir? Well, we, we do have one, but it isn't 
formally a member yet of AAVL. It's, it just has to finish doing its uh, necessary, um, you know, payment of dues and get its constitution yeah. finalized. But it's, it's, it is already a member of, of the California Council of the Blind, has been affiliated in that organization. And, and it, it will be completing its process, with I'm sure, within the next month or two. And, and are, surprisingly and enough, it is in California. I'm sorry? And surprisingly enough, it is in California. Yes, yes. And we also have an Oregon affiliate that is beginning its formation process and working on its constitution, etc. And there is a lot of passion going on in the state of Oregon for uh, advocacy for senior issues. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. I hope that other states uh, think about um, doing it. Um, well, we, Sandy and we, I have formed an unholy alliance in Florida to form one. Great. It's scary. Very scary. Yeah. So, and so I, wasn't Jeff, we, going to, I wasn't going go to go ahead, Terry. Bring, I wasn't going to bring this up tonight, but since all, since we're on the subject, I have been working um, with some pe people in the Northern Virginia, DC and Maryland area that Jeff, I was going to email you uh, tomorrow as a matter of fact about it, that we want to start an affiliate here in the metropolitan Washington area. Great. Be because in reality, you know, with things the way they are under the Rehabilitation Services Administration and the, and the laws that, that govern that particular entity, um, the, the bulk of the advocacy for now, at least, is going to really have to be done at the state and local levels. Um, we are along with ACB, uh, working hard in the Vision Serve Alliance at the national level to broaden our advocacy efforts in terms of collaborating with other aging entities, including the Administration on Community Living. But um, really, there's so much state and local advocacy to be done. And so mm -hmm. creating these affiliates is not you know, all as important as it is for us as a national organization to have state affiliates, it's really more important to your state. Yes. So, Jeff, we have talked a couple of times about the Vision Serve Alliance, but why don't you tell folks what, what it actually is and, and what we're doing with it? Sure. So, the Vision Serve Alliance is a group of um mostly, I, I'm not sure if it's exclusively, in fact, I no, it would not be it, exclusively it isn't anymore. schools. Yes, yeah. they're like, uh, you know, schools for the blind, etc. But, but it is entities that provide services or, or advocacy organizations, a few of those, but primarily entities that provide services to people who are blind or have visually impaired, whether it is guide dog schools or um, private providers of services to, you know, seniors, uh, or whatever they might be. Um, schools for the Blind, as I said, all types of agencies can join it. And the, the goal is to, th through this sort of consortium idea, to collaborate to make our voice stronger in the array of areas that impact services to people who are blind or who have low vision. And um, the executive director is another Floridian. 
Um, he is. Who used to run a, a lean NASA. He used to run the lighthouse in Central Florida, and she is an incredibly dynamic and hardworking individual. Um, Paul Schrader, who once upon a time long ago was with ACB, also works part time uh, for the Vision Serve Alliance, and um, so you know we have been involved heavily. Um, in that organization. Uh, one of the things that the Vision Service And ACB Alliance, is a member, I think. Is ABL yes. a member as well? Yes, we are both members. And um, so frequently I'm on calls together with uh, Clark Grussfall. And um, one of the things that the Vision Serve Alliance did was take over from AFB, the American Foundation for the Blind, um, the its senior initiative on services for people who are blind or who have low vision. And um, so that initiative is what is doing such things as putting together a, um, a rationale for why we need more money and why, and, and about all the unmet need that we have for services for people with vision loss. I, I've said on um, several phone calls, both in at the national level and in California, how shocked, and I shouldn't be, have been surprised at all, but even, even though I knew it, I have been so shocked um, in working on one of the things I've put in a lot of hours this year is working on our state's um, master plan for aging. And, um, and I was shocked at how little people know about the services that people with vision loss get and how much unmet need there is for those services. Um, it, it's been such a, an, an educational nightmare for me to have to repeatedly you know, push to make sure that we are included in any discussions about the need for services. And I feel like I am, you know, constantly, you know, hitting the buzzer uh, with respect to the need for services for people with vision loss because nobody mentions it. And yep. I'm sure it's an effort that, that uh, other people uh, have the same experience throughout the country because I don't think California is in any way different than most other places. So, um, so we have to keep doing it, and that's why it's so important to be able to to have some state affiliates of AAVL so that you can get the advocacy together that you need. Thank you, sir, Mr. Rick. Yes, Paul. Chris Coulter, please. Hello. Chris. Hey, Chris. Hi. I want to go back a little ways um, on to the subject that um, I believe it was Sandy was talking about mostly, and, and you, Paul, and that was the welcoming of blind seniors into senior centers. And I think that the real core problem that we have is that we have two sets of blind seniors that are at least uh, we did during during our our younger years and uh, it's still kind of true in various senior activities 
um, most of the people who work who have been working as activity directors and other things see the blind senior man or woman who can do nothing but grope through life because everybody thought everybody with sight or in their family thought that well that was the only thing they could expect because blindness is so you know horrible and and no but no there were no physical fitness programs for blind people uh, or you know for for blind people who were losing their sight as seniors no no um, ways to help them be strong people well now we have the baby boomers coming along who are seniors and i am one of those and where I am not an athlete or anything like that, I, I find that I have learned a lot from childhood on up, having been born blind, that I'm sure any person, as I'm walking into a senior center, is going to know that I'm not weak or incapable. And that I can be welcomed into their surroundings, and you know, I, and and I, and not just myself, but. So, so uh, have you have you done it, Chris? Uh, have I done it? Have I ha I have actually most of what I have done is singing in in um, uh, senior centers. Right. So you're you're going there to provide them with services, but not but not getting involved directly in their programs? Well, I was not a senior yet at the time when I was doing most of the work, but right, when right. now that I'm I'm, you know, getting my getting my feet wet so to speak in the world of being a blind senior, you know. Right. Um it's taken me some time cuz So I've one of the things that I things. think I hear you yeah. saying and tell me if I'm right mm -hmm. is that is that part of the problem is that really competent blind people for the most part don't go to senior centers and if they did we could change their attitudes so maybe That's what we need to do is to have more competent blind people knock on the door of senior centers and say yeah i'm here i'm great i can help i want to be integrated into your program and and by gosh make it accessible for me well, I think that's part of the problem, part of what, and, and it's part of what I was trying to say. The other part of it is just the image problem because the association is between um, old age the per, and yeah, the percept, uh, blindness the and that senior centers have yeah. blind people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so they wouldn't. They would just sort of turn and say, "Oh no, 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 no! You mustn't. Uh, you, we, we'll, we'll hurt yourself or whatever." And yeah, yeah no. Um, Chris, I'm going to agree with you in in large part, but I'm also going to slightly push back a little bit. Okay. Because I think that part of the problem is also the fact that we haven't done enough to show senior centers, whether it's people who have been blind all our lives or, you know, the majority who have lost their vision recently, um, that we can be a part of that process. If you're someone with early onset dementia, they know what they can do for you right. because the Alzheimer's Association has been in there telling them. 
Um, but, but that's not true of blindness organizations, whether it be provider organizations like the Lighthouses uh, or whether it be advocacy organizations. We haven't done I a good see. enough job educating either. And so that's out true. of fairness, it's not just the problem of the individual. It's not just the problem of the uh, senior centers. It's also us who have not done a good enough job either. Well, I, I know that I went through a, a health issue myself and was in a rehab for a while, a, a, a nursing home type, right, skilled right, nursing right. rehab. Right. And um, the charge nurse, uh, you know, that, that was working there um, was a little condescending toward me, although he started <laughs> out by acting fairly kind. And yeah, and, and as I got out of the the cast, I had broken an ankle. And as I got out of the cast and was starting to to have a little bit of strength, he was trying to sort of set me back. And of course, the major thing was that he would um, I, I would be waiting to be wheeled. I was still in a wheelchair most of the time. I was waiting to be wheeled into the dining room because it was hard to find my way. And people would be, um, no one would come. And Just finally, walking right by. Yep. Yeah. And finally, he would walk into my room and I would say, hey, you know, it's 15 minutes afternoon and wasn't, weren't we supposed to get me into the dining room at noon? And he said, well, how do you know what time it is? And I said, well, yeah. look at this watch. And I opened it and I showed him the Braille watch. And he said, oh, you know. And I said, well, mm -hmm. hey, you're looking at the future of senior centers or of any kind of, of work with seniors. Right. You're looking at the future. You're going to get a lot of baby boomer blind people coming in here. Yes, you are. And, oh, he got mad. Good he for resented you. it badly yeah. chris thank you so much for the call thank you <laughs> we appreciate it okay i think Anybody? it goes i think it goes again sandy people, did you want to say something yeah i think it goes back again to people looking at us first as the blind person and getting past that to see us as individuals it's a question of educating the people in the rehab or whatever the senior center is but it's also getting them to get past just seeing us as a blind person with all their stereotypic image of what a blind person is. Sandy, you're absolutely correct. And I think that's exactly what the, that's the point that I was trying to make, um, that we have got to be, we as individuals have to continue to educate. Right, identity. Yep, very good. Mr. Rick? Yes, phone number 1280, please. Hey, it's Joseph. Sorry, guys. I'll come on Zoom next time. I'll learn more with some help. Hi, Terry. Glad you're here. I was supposed to get in contact with you. I'd like to join your group because, Paul, I've been through hell up here with these agencies, and I have medical issues, and the companions don't want to do it, and oh, it's a pay. It's just, uh, I'll get off my soapbox. I'll have to explain it to you guys, you and Terry, later. But uh, I know what Chris has gone through because uh, I was in the hospital and they were pretty good, but I need uh, I need another procedure done, and I can't get companions. And I've I have I have um, I've had to can wow I've had to cancel it three or four times 
people just don't want to do their jobs or they're not getting paid enough. And the senior center around here, plus the commission, they don't do much. Uh, what we need to do, if maybe I'll try and with your help join ACB, is to educate them. And, uh, Hi, Joe. Did you have a particular question for us by any chance? Well, I just wanted I'm to point that, see what you guys uh, thought about or what uh, some of us, like me, have been through because uh, yep. these rehab agencies yep. don't do anything because we're seniors. Well, <laughs> you know, I really, um, I'm sorry, give me your name again. Joe. Joe. Just say Joe. Joe. So, Joe, yeah. I'm, I really feel, you know, for what you're going through, It you have a, a shared experience with many, many people with whom I come in contact. Um, I do want to say that one of the problems that is faced by not only us, but by everybody who works in the system is that the wages in that system throughout the country are, are horrendous. And because of that, um, in, in many, many places, most of the people speak only limited English, which is hard, of course, for us. I know, but what can we they do, have Jeff? Limited education. What can we do to solve um, and the this? The turnover is great because they're only, yeah. you know, making minimum wage. It is very important, I think. And again, this is a local and state advocacy issue that the the, the workforces in you know facilities and centers, et cetera, et cetera, and and in terms of the local home care agencies get better wages because, you know, until yeah. they do, we're going to have these problems, whether they're, you know, kind-hearted or not. I mean, it's a, it's a serious problem. You're in Massachusetts, right, Joe? Yeah, I'm still waiting to get out of Lynn. Maybe I'll move to Florida. I'll get better, maybe better <laughs> services down there, Paul. <laughs> maybe so. All right, Terry, you guys. No, it's really rough. Really, really rough. We get nowhere. They only pay them, and they only a small amount. They only want them to go eight miles. Um, we've had good people that have gone yeah. 20 or 30 miles to visit apartments. These people yeah. just were losing it all up here. So what I would suggest that is, is that at the very least, you get in contact with the Bay State Council of the Blind and talk to them about whether they might work with you to do some training in Lynn um, to, try to, 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 to try to make them better. I wanted to go to Carroll Center. They won't send me only for a week or so because I'm a senior. And other places, I know people that have gone for eight or nine weeks and trained. It doesn't matter what their age. They just uh, do things differently up here, as, as Terry knows. I hear you. Oh, I hear you. God. Joe, thank you so much for your call, man. Okie dokie, we've got Melanie Brunson, please. Miss Melanie. Hello. Hey, Melanie. Hi. Couple of things. Um, first, I want to put in a plug for um, peer support and mentoring, because I think that along with advocacy, um, that's one of the keys to what we need to be doing. I have seen... Um, Veterans groups. The Blinded Veterans Association has a, a very active mentoring program. And I think, you know, they go and they visit veterans who are blind in the, uh, while they're still in the hospital <coughs> treatment or when they're going through rehab. And, you know, those folks become yeah. friends with. When you're the saying they, Melanie, you mean the Blinded Veterans the Association? Blind members. Yes, the members of the Blinded Thank Veterans you. Association go to visit 
newly blinded veterans before they even leave the hospital so that um, they can let them know they're willing to help. And some of them so, don't take the help right away. But, oh, some yeah. of them, but some of them do. And, you know, it, what, what the organization discovered is that there's an added benefit. Not only do they, those folks help the new person get on their feet, but those folks then turn around and join the organization and serve as mentors to someone else. So I think I think there's a real benefit that could happen. And I think too, this would be a good way for helping all of us become better advocates because advocacy is, is really the key to what we need. And one of the you know, I agree with a lot that's been said. But one of the things that I would like to see us do is marshal the the information about what projections have been made with the, the, about the, the rise in the number of people with vision loss that are expected. Because my, my thought was, you know, we go to, and, and then we could take that information with yeah we we did that in Florida and it actually proved pretty useful we we actually went up to see legislators a couple of years ago um, and didn't ask them for any money we just told them what the situation was and what the projections were and you know, as I, I was telling folks earlier we got three hundred thousand extra dollars this year that's it and I can see you saying look folks you're scared of me but I'm only the first person Look what's yeah. going to happen if you don't deal with this. Yep. And you're going to be terrified out of your wits. So you yeah. need to get busy and figure out what um, you, you know what you need to know and and get this dealt with. Yep. Yeah, cool. we don't. One of the things we don't have enough of is compared to say folks with you know cognitive disabilities and others. We we have a dearth of data. And yeah. you know, we need state by state data as well as national data to go to our legislators and to go to our, you know, county officials and our area agencies on aging. So that's an area that I know the Vision Serve Alliance is extremely interested in pursuing. But we've got to work with the folks at Mississippi State and, and everywhere really to get more data. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Miss Melanie, thank you so much. And I think you. Melanie makes and I think Melanie makes an excellent point of the peer support and the reaching out to newly blinded people or to people who are losing vision. I think one-on-one -on -one is absolutely the the best. A mentoring program would be fabulous. And I vouch I for so. that. As I said, I'd be glad to serve it because someone helped me and I'd be glad to pay it forward. You need to talk. If you're going to get through this and you're losing your sight now, the easiest way is to go and talk to someone who's been there before you. That, yeah. I think that's a I think very we, good point, Sandy. Yep. I think a lot of us would be willing to do it. Mr. Rick. Paul Charlene in California, please. Yes. I think at the very beginning of this presentation, it was mentioned about going to a doctor and the doctor's reaction by having health people contacting the individuals. And this is an indication of one of the biggest problems we have, and that is the medical field itself and their ability to accept people and disabilities and having a variety of skills with a disability 
the first person that knows that somebody has a disability, um, especially blindness, is the medical field, the doctors. People can deny it, but they see it, they know it. One of the hardest things to do is to then say, okay, I'm blind. I need to make some phone calls and get some services. What I would really think would be a beginning of a solution would be to have the medical field understand there is life after disability, life goes on, that they can then have a resource list of who to contact and then yeah. be willing to make that first call for the individual. Because the first, if I sure. told you you're blind, you need to go to the Center for the Blind or the Braille Institute, the hardest thing call I'm ever going to make is to make that call that says, I'm blind, I need to get your services. If somebody yeah. were to call me and say, I hear you could use some help, and then we could get yeah. the measures in there, we could get the different you know, levels of skills, help, you know, and other help brought in. And the doctors are also the ones who are going to know about the senior centers. How many people, what is the percentage of seniors that actually go to senior centers? How many seniors don't know where they are? The doctors I, I think, are the main. I think you make course. really good points. And I think, I think the real point is we somehow need to connect ACB to doctor's offices as well, not just the services, but to persuade doctors to recognize that consumer organizations have a lot to offer and a lot to give. Yep. I'm Carlene, in thank you so much. I'm in the process, if I can, of doing a little bit of this. I have someone who's doing a doctoral um, paper thesis on um, interaction of the uh, medical field with especially blindness. And we're in the phase of getting it approved. Phase two is going to be the actual thing, and then we're going to go from there. Thank you. Excellent. Carlene, thank you so much for your call. Mr. Rick? Yeah, Paul, 6059, please. Hi, this is Shelly Hart, South Dakota, and I am a retired uh, rehabilitation teacher and agree with pretty much everything everybody has said. When I was rehab teaching, there was so little money to go around for the people that we worked with. And um, I just, you know, I was just going to mention, I do appreciate both Terry and Sandy and Jeff, all three of your, your presentations. One of the things that interested me that you said, Sandy, was about the, the loss of um, privacy and whatever that people feel that they have when they've lost their vision. One of my clients one time told me, and it had been somebody that I knew when she could see, and so this was, this was later years when I was working for the, the blindness agency here in South Dakota, and she came into my office and she said that her main problem was that she knew how she had felt about blind people and that she had pitied them. That was, you know, what she thought that people would be thinking about her when she lost her vision. And, but I wish I would have thought more about the privacy thing. One of the things I worry about is, is enough training for people that are going into that field. Um, I just retired in April, and, and I know that all of the uh, rehab teachers we have now in the state, and, and they, they may be very great and, and whatever, but I do know that I do believe that they don't have enough training before coming into the field, and they're going out to work with seniors um, you know, several different, I mean, there's probably each of us had anywhere from 50 to 
60 clients, you know, that you were supposed to try to see once a month, which really wasn't. You didn't see them once a month. But, you know, the thing is, and I have nothing against occupational therapists or any other kind of therapist, but, you know, maybe we're not, we're not providing the specialists with enough training to get out there. And that's where we, I think, as blind people have to get out and, and show them. I had several different occupational therapists travel with me when I was working with the state. But I, the, the amount of training they're getting, some of them anyway, kind of bothers me because, you know, yeah, what does that speak for the future? Yep. I think Kelly, there's no there's ahead, no question Jeff. that Shelly is right. We, there's um, far too few programs to provide that training in, in the United States, and that's part of the problem. We need more funding. I mean, we need more funding for, you know, special education programs, and we need more funding for adult, you know, special education sort of, you know, rehabil vision rehabilitation programs. So it's a real problem. It is. Yeah. It is. Yep. Thank you, Miss Shelley. You're welcome. Mr. Rick? Yes, 9833, if you unmute yourself, please. I think you are. Hi, it's, it's Alice. Can you hear me? We can. Yes, hi, Alice. Okay, I wasn't sure it unmuted. Um, first of all, I, I, I kind of like what all Sandy had to say up front, but what I. I would say, even though now, and, and I've noticed all night tonight, everybody refers to our, our older seniors as blind. But I'm here to tell you, in Georgia, a lot of our seniors, when they lose their vision, they don't go totally blind. And they don't want to be referred to that way. And so you really have to be careful on how you approach the whole subject with them because it is all for them about losses and one of the main ones being especially for a lot of these folks is losing their driver's license mm -hmm. you're right Alice. And, they, want to and, be, they don't want to be referred to as blind absolutely no no and so we have to figure out a way to get to them and then the other thing i was going to address is and Anisio touched on a little bit here in georgia when Obama did do the stimulus money, we used that money and we did go out to the senior centers and the idea was to educate them about the services, you know, that, that, that are out there that are available to folks who are low vision or, or, or have lost all their vision now that they're older. And, and part of the hope was that then these centers would, the senior centers would actually start reaching out to us and, and getting us involved so that we could make sure that, that our population were, were having their needs met. And we actually, in Savannah, um, our agency, area on aging gave money to the Center for the Blind for a long time so that they didn't have to have the blind people quote unquote intermingle at the at the senior center in Savannah you know that 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 the Savannah center would provide because they were already serving blind people so therefore they could serve the older population it's but awesome. then the minute the money the, when the money um, started drying up and they had to cut back, they took away the money from the center and they said, we'll just take all the senior blind folks and we'll bring them to the senior center. And they did, but of course what happened was, like what we've talked about all along is, they sit. They sat in the. You know, they sit in the corner, and and yep. they are not. You know, they're yep. not allowed to interact or do any of that. 
And the last thing I was going to say when somebody was talking a while ago about we need to educate the doctors, I can't tell you because I used to be low vision. For a long time I was low vision. And then when I finally went totally blind and I ended up having to go to the eye doctor a couple of different times because I had an issue where my pressure all of a sudden again would spike for no reason, they couldn't get me in and out fast enough because they didn't want their patients to see me. That's right. Oh, God, we're a failure. So... They don't even want to, I mean, we would take brochures to them about, you know, about the Georgia Council of the Blind and say, you know, have them call us, you know, we can help, we can be a resource. And, and the minute we go out the door, those things I know went into the trash can yeah, because they don't want to admit their failure, so therefore they don't bother to tell you know, seniors, that there are things out there that may help them, that it's not the end. And I think that's one of the things we have to do because it is a growing population, but but they don't want to be included with us because they do not want to be considered blind. And we have to figure out a way to get them to get involved without feeling that intimidation, I guess, is is the thing, or not being scared. Thank you, Miss Alice. We appreciate it. Sandy, you were saying something? Yeah, I want to respond very quickly to that because I think Alice makes some very good points. And obviously, if you're not blind, you don't want to be called blind. But even if you are, it goes back to the senior, all the things, the feelings of why you don't want to be considered a blind person when you're a senior, that possible loss of identity, privacy, loss of driving. I'd forgotten. I'd I lost my ability to drive about the time my son was 14. Boy, that was the first kid to get a driver's license in our neighborhood because it is that loss of independence. And, and you're right, there has to be a better label. But I, it, I think the first time I actually called myself blind, it hit hard. It's true. Now I can say yep. it was out of the second thought, but it hit you hard the first yeah. time. Yeah, I hear you. Thank you, Ms. Sandy. Um, Mr. Rick? Yes, Larry Johnson, please. From Texas. I just want to say that I think this was a wonderful presentation. I hope you do it again, Paul, because it's a tremendously important topic. And you know my passion for this particular issue. I do. What I. <clears throat> well, oh, he shut up, Jaws, so he's, he's quiet. Anyway, <clears throat> first of all, I want to say that, uh, Sandy, your presentation was spot on. It is so important. It's so important for blind people to hear you speak because all too often us quote long time blind people, we don't really understand the challenge that it is for somebody who's been sighted all their life to suddenly lose that vision. And so one of the one of the things that ACB members can do, Paul, is to acquire empathy, compassion, and patience in dealing with newly blind persons. I think, I think we don't point. understand that enough. And it's really important, and I would hope that somebody like Sandy would be given an opportunity to speak to the general membership at next year's convention and talk specifically about what it's like for a person to lose their vision as a senior. It's a very different story. The other so, thing. Oh, sorry, Blair. The other Blair, thing, Blair. And, I'll, and I'll let go. The other thing is what can ACB members do? 
one of the most important things that we can do individually, and, and somebody said, maybe as you, Paul, said, uh, politics begins at the local level. And that's, or maybe it was uh, Jeff, but that's where we can do something. We need to join advisory committees. There are citizen mm -hmm. advisory committees at the local level, at the state level, right. of, of senior agencies. Get, don't, don't, don't look for blind agency advisory committees. Join the senior agency advisory committees. We have several here in San Antonio and in Texas. In fact, I just sent in my application to join another state agency uh, advisory committee. And they are the ones that we've got to start educating and turn around because they can affect policy, they can affect funding. Thank you. I think that's an amazingly good point. Thank you, Larry. Jeff, there's you wanted to say else, something? Yeah, there's something else that you can do too. Because so, some people don't feel like they can handle the whole political thing. They're, they're not advocates. It isn't what they like to do. But, but if you don't, and I hope you, that you will, will try it because it isn't as hard as you think. But if you don't, another thing you can do, and it's something that my wife and I do, you can join like RP groups and macular degeneration groups. Now, these are mainly, not all, but mainly social in nature. And in, and in our case, we're probably the two youngest people in our macular degeneration group. But you make a difference by being there. Um, you know, they see the way you function with, you know, in our case, you know, without vision, either one of us. And um, by our example, I think we make a difference. We can impart knowledge to them without sort of, you know, lecturing because we, they just, we're just a part of their group. And I think that's the, the sort of, you know, mentorship by example that, you know, we as ACB members can do. So, you know, look around, you know, you can also be part of support groups, obviously. Um, I know Sandy is part, she's talked to us at times about the group she's with in Florida. And um, I, you know, look around for these local groups and, Jeff, and join I them. Think, Jeff, yes. I think that's a wonderful point because it goes to something I said before you were on the line, which is a lot of times if you're older and you lose your sight at an older age, you don't want to have to focus on the blindness. You're actually trying to run away from it. If you can get into a group where the focus is on social or something else and you just see someone who's blind and you start following <laughs> them by example, you learn by watching their example. You see, okay, they did it. They're blind and they can handle this. So I guess I can too. It makes all the difference. And, and yeah, I, I'm not sure that you were on when I uh, brought up about that on this topic as well. I think that working as an individual who is blind or who has low vision in your community, um, you're showing the person that you're showing those people that you have several abilities and they're not necessarily blindness related. Some of them are, some of them aren't. But they're learning that you are a whole person. And that, I think, is what's so important. I think there are a lot, there's a lot of good in peer support groups. Um, I know here in the general uh, metropolitan D.C. area, uh, prevention of blindness has a lot of um, peer support groups uh, through the local libraries for uh, people who are especially seniors who are 
who have either lost vision or are losing vision. Um, and that's, that is, it's a great, out, it's a great outlet um, for them and for us to mentor, um, to mentor inadvertently almost. And that's, I think it's a very good point. I just think that, and I think Larry is very, very spot on with that. Uh, one yep. more thing, because I really should have mentioned this more before, but I keep going back to the word focus. For me, I did not want to focus on blindness. I knew I had to learn certain things to keep my job and to keep, you know, supporting my family, providing for my family, but I did not want to focus on blindness. So I mentioned the Dragon Boat team I was on. It worked for me because they didn't focus on blindness. They let me know that you can be blind and you can focus on other things. And it's so important to make something available for people where they don't have to constantly, every time they're involved, okay, this training is going to focus on blindness. That group's going to focus on blindness. It's always blindness, blindness. You want it. You want something where it's not, where the focus is on something else. The Dragon Boat team, those people never mentioned blindness. All they thought about was how fast can you get that boat? I didn't know when I joined it, it was a race. <laughs> That's the hard way. It's true. It's like we also could did. make that boat go. And I didn't have to focus on blindness. And it makes all the difference. You That's see, true. you guys and didn't know did I was something. intentionally late so Sandy could have put on such a fantastic performance. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's the same, the same type of thing. Years ago, my husband and I adopted our son, who has a lot of special needs, and we got very involved with um, the Open Door Society um, for, adop for adoption. And, you know, it was. It was a, a great um, outlet. It was a great resource for us at the time. And our blindness was just not an issue with it. Um, I ended up doing a lot of uh, speaking engagements for them. Um, we had a peer support, we had a support group and that, and actually the kids taught us more than anything. We were two, our son and another child who she had spina bifida. Um, and they were the, the only two children who had any kind of special needs. And I will never forget my son was probably seven at the time, and he said to Annie, the little girl, why do you use that? Why do you have braces? And she just turned to him and said, well, why do you have glasses? I thought that was like the greatest answer <laughs> on the face of the earth. But that's it. That the, the disabilities didn't really have anything to do with it, but yet we could all be a part of something, and we could all give what was best, what we, what we did best. And that's what I think so many people need to be able to do, especially people who are losing vision, need to realize just how many other abilities they actually have and can share with Rick. the world. Yes, hi. Rick Troiano, please. Oh, that's scary. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yes, sir. Uh, Paul, first of all, um, I want to thank you for putting this together. This is such an important uh, topic to have. One of the things um, that I want to mention, quick story. Um, when, when Sandy and I first got together, we had, had started a group for people with disabilities. Somebody told us about a a blind woman who lived in Palm Beach County who could probably use our services. 
So we went over her house, and her her whole thing was negative. I can't. I can't. I don't know how you do it, but I can't. And 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 everything was I can't. I think one of the important things that we need to bring out here is that we need to change. I call it changing the tapes. Instead yep. of I can't, maybe we can use I can, I will, I'll try. Just change that whole negativity. And that's all I wanted to say. Well, that is so excellent. Thank you, Rick. And, and thanks for lending us Sandy. Unfortunately, <laughs> that woman was... We couldn't help her. She was older. She wanted to talk to us because she wanted someone to talk to, but she wasn't going to change. And I don't know if you can help someone like that. She just was in that mindset that she didn't want to hear about anything or realize that there was any type of life because it involved making a change. And she wasn't prepared at that time to make any change. You won't be able to help someone losing their sight at an older age until they're ready to accept that they are going to have to make some changes. And if you tried beforehand, it's just going to backfire. You're just going to be banging your head. When I worked as a rehab teacher, one of the things that um, one of the things that I made it a point of doing on my very first visit, it didn't matter what I, what I was doing in terms of um, filling out all the forms that I needed and all the paperwork that I needed, but before I left that day, whether they said, I can't, I can't, I can't, one task would be accomplished and whether they liked it or not, they were going to do something before I left. And it didn't much matter to me what, but I wanted to be able to say to them the next time I walked into their door, well, you said you couldn't, but you did. Um, that's, and that's and I think good. that's one of the things, I think that's one of the things we have to encourage. That, um, that's good. The organization Rick talked about, he and I, along with some people we know, people who had various disabilities, set up a group called Back Into Life Again with the goal of providing cultural, social, and athletic activities for people with physical disabilities. The idea was to help those getting it later in life that we'd accept anyone. It, and we've had some difficulty really getting it off the ground, but we've had some successes too. And was, I got the idea from the Dragon Boat team. <coughs> Excellent. That's Mr. Great. Rick. Yeah, I want to go find that boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Charlene Wills, please. Charlene, you're unmuted. And it was going so well tonight. It was. You were... You were going to have to do minimal it editing. It was going so well tonight. Yeah. Connie Bateman, if you could unmute yourself. I'm hitting a bunch of buttons, but nobody's unmuting. So, Frank Welty. Uh, Hi, also. am I unmuted? There you, you go. You are, Connie. Go ahead. Okay, so I lost my sight 10 years, no, 11 years ago. I went from low vision to blindness. So I went to one of these training centers here in California to work on some blindness-related skills. And it was great because I was with other blind and visually impaired people who were going through the same thing. Now, I was fortunate in that I already had a connection to the blind and visually impaired community so that when I went home, I knew I was still going to get support and encouragement from other blind people. But 
I knew that the people who went to this training center were going to go back to their home communities and they would not seek out other blind and visually impaired people. So one suggestion I have, how can ACB help people who, who are seniors with vision loss work with the state affiliates to set up speaking uh, guest speaker networks who can send speakers out to talk to the students at the training center to tell them about ACB, what we're about, what we have to offer. Um, in terms of peer support and mentoring, I believe that the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss already has a peer support component to it. So perhaps having a listserv, like the, I belong to AABT, which is the American Association of Blind Teachers, another special interest affiliate of ACB. And not only do they have a website, but there is also a listserv. And I just recently retired from teaching English to adult immigrants. And every once in a while, I get an email from one of the officers from the teacher's group saying, this person wants to go into teaching English to adults, uh, to adult immigrants. Would you be willing to let me put them in contact with you so you can, you can mentor them or, or talk to them about it? And I think we could have something, a, sim a similar setup with AAVL so that people can email us with, I, I'm a member of AAVL too, by the way, <laughs> so that people can email us with specific questions or areas that, that they might need specific help in, and we can respond to them through the listserv. I hope Sir that's Jeff, helpful. Thank you. That, we that do have a listserv. You Paul has emailed you about the listserv. Well, I'm um, new to AAVL, so I didn't know. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, you so, should be getting so our materials. I am. Um, tell them about yeah. the listserv, Mr. Jeff, because it's new. It is. It's only about two or three weeks old, and now I'm forced to try and um, see if Sandy can remember the... <laughs> AAVL-L at acblists.org. I knew Paul would come up with it because he sent more of the stuff out to it than I have even. I'm happy to and, say. Um, do, do you have to sign yeah. up for that? Because I haven't been getting that. You do. Um, no, you don't. You should have, everybody should have been on it. So if you're not getting it, but, I'm but not I was there. I, 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 I'm getting it, so... Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> See who counts. Uh, exactly, but um, but it's it's a it's a good listserv, and there's there's been so actually some pretty good traffic there too. Yeah, I will make um, sure that you are on it. But I am. Thank you. Pretty sure, but I sent every. There's like sixty something pe pe persons people on it. Kim Charlson was kind enough to put it together for us. So uh, we'll check that out. Excellent. All right, let's try and take a couple more quick calls. Mr. Rick? Yeah, Frank Wilty, please. Frank. Hello there. Hello, Hi, sir. Frank. Hi there. I'm Frank Welty, and I'm the interim president of the California Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, which will soon be part of AAVL. And I've been enjoying listening to this program tonight because it, it confirms a feeling that I've had lately that we, in our community, I think we've reached a tipping point where there's a level of awareness developing about the issues, the unique issues of 
older blind individuals and their needs and the problems that are out there. And also, I think there is a greater sense of urgency for us to act on that. So with that in mind, I want to encourage everyone on this call, if you haven't already done so, to reach out and join the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, and also to start finding other people in your state for the purpose of organizing a state affiliate of AAVL. I think that the work we need to do needs to happen nationally and statewide across this country. And to that end, I'm about to send a copy of our constitution to the AAVL list so that people can use it as a model for their states. Excellent. I, Let me I will look thank forward Frank. to it. Let me thank Frank for that, but also just I just wanted to add to that. You know, every state can be different. For example, um, the Oregon folks, one of the things they really want to focus on is, you know, getting information out and, and advocating in the nursing with the nursing facilities. Um, and there's such a need for that for our population. You know, your state may have something it wants to do. Florida deals with the the area agencies on aging and, and, you know, mentorship, et cetera. So every state can be different and that's great. You know, the more, the diff more different things we do, the, because we have different priorities, the better we are. So I encourage the sort of, you know, plurality that we, we tend to have, you know, in, in different places around the country. Thank you, sir. Mr. Rick. Yes, Angela H. Please, Angela. Oh, can you hear me? We can. Yes, we can. You can? Yes. Oh, good. Okay, yeah. This is Angela Hipovny. I'm a member of ACB and GTCB and PCB and all those alphabets in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I'm a senior citizen and I am more or less blind. Um, I didn't really attain legal blindness status probably till I was about 50 years old, which was a while ago because I'm now 67. And um, I'm one of the people that has attended a senior center and done it for a few years now. I guess I started one like seven years ago. And um, they, the, First, I, I went because some other friends that were um, low vision or whatever invited me to join a low vision support group that occasionally met at a senior center. Uh -huh. But um, that doesn't really happen now. But um, later, I've, I've been coming myself, and I, I started going to the local senior center where I live, and... Uh, when we got a new director, I, I mean, I just started going and it wasn't a big deal. We had someone that was younger running the place and she had a father and a sister or somebody that was either blind or whatever. So she, she didn't have any problem with me being in the place. But then we got an older lady and she just totally freaked out and screamed at me. And I don't know what you want me to do. And I, I don't know what you want us to do and i'm looking at her like you know lady what's your problem you know and i think uh when people find out you can actually walk around and eat your dinner and go to the bathroom and stuff without destroying the senior center 
um, you know, I, I had friends. I joined it to go on shopping trips and all that because you could get on paratransit and go to the mall and all that kind of stuff. Made friends, went out to dinner with all the sighted people, and uh, most of them eventually accepted me. A lot of the very old people ran away from me. They thought I had leprosy mm -hmm. or they were going to go blind if I got near them or something. So I had people that would run in terror and tell me to get away from them, which was, now that was bizarre. I have to admit, you know, because I've never was. really encountered that. But, but overall, um, Angela, it, it was a good little, experience for fine. you? Yeah. Yep. Go Angela, ahead. we appreciate hearing another side of the story because so often blind people don't get accepted. So thank you so much for sharing with us. But it worked. And I don't know what, what group you'd like people to get involved in, but I'd like to. I came into the call late. Because I, I think I got the memo for the wrong time or something, too. So. Yeah, it's a special interest affiliate, and it's called uh, the, the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss is what we're talking about. Uh, and it's a, a special interest affiliate of ACB. And um, if Jeff I can give my email so that if anybody wants to join, yeah, they, we're, I can. We're going to do that soon. Turn them on. Um, that's okay. a good idea. And then, and then if you want to send me... Um, if, if you guys have a little brochure or something and you want to send it to me, Jeff, I can, I can circulate it to all the lists I put my stuff on. Uh, no, we don't have that yet. Um, but, but soon, but soon. Yes. That's something we yep. need to do. We are. So Rick, let's see if we can take one or two quick calls guys. Okay. We have, if you can. Yeah. Lori Scharf, please. Hi. Lori. How are you? Hey, Lori. Go Hello. Ahead. Hello. So I have to say, hi. So I have to say, I found this topic very interesting. I'll be taking in the fall, um, in like two weeks, a class for my uh, VRT certification, and it's uh, gerontology and blindness. Um, and it's, I'm glad to see there's more classes in that. It's being taught by Alberta Orr, and she has taught it for Hunter for 21 years. My wow. goodness. Um, and and Alberta could certainly teach it. Yes, yes. Um, and and it, I think something to uh, keep in mind is that we need to work hard on accepting people who are ad losing vision later in life, but we also need to look at people like that are congenitally blind but may develop additional disabilities and that affects the way they function um, as they age. I think that's a good point, Lori. Um, most, most older people have more than one disability, and that's, that's, that's right. statistically absolute. Um, the, the, so, the, the other thing I just wanted to, to quickly mention is that, um, you know, I think both education of uh, medical staff and AAA uh, I'm sorry, area agencies on aging regarding blindness is a critical issue. And yep. ACB, can your local chapters can give back by providing accessible playing cards, large print cards, things like that, that may be a little more expensive than the cards that they can buy at the dollar store for their fully sighted participants. Um, you know, and, and it can make it more accessible to people that are blind. Good Great point. Lori, thank you so much. Mr. Rick? Yes, Deanna Noriega, please. 
I'm here. From Missouri. Hey, Deanna. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, one resource I think that um, you should probably um, know about is, all right, about seven years ago, my mother, well, she called me from uh, the, the parking lot, and she'd been diagnosed with macular degeneration. And they told her she shouldn't drive. And so she sat in her car, and she called me, and she said, now I know blind people can do anything they put their minds to. After all, I raised you, but it's me. And she started to cry. And my uh. mother's a pretty tough lady. She, you know, has had a congestive heart condition. She's had severe arthritis in her spine. She's had COPD, you know. Lots of medical issues, and we used to, to, you know, laugh and sing the old, um, I think it was a Patty Page song, I Fall to Pieces, (laughs) (laughs) when I would be helping take care of her. And um, so I contacted um, AFB at that time that had a a part of their Connect system with Career Connect and the Family Connect and all of that stuff. Um, they were trying to put together a a part for seniors that were experiencing mm-hmm. vision loss. So I started writing for them back then, um, and it were called the Vision Aware blog on on that site. Yep. And of course, we transferred over to APH recently. So we've been kind of also serving as a um, consultation group for whenever they get a call in their hotline for people looking for resources and help and they don't have an answer. So thank you for raising out. vision aware because Great. we hadn't talked about it before. And, and it really is an excellent resource. Um, it is now on the APH website. So if folks go to APH.org and then go to, I think it's called the vision center. Uh, and then you'll find all the connects there. Yeah, where it, our, one of our taglines is, is um, experiencing vision loss. Now what? <laughs> hey, you know, Deanna, I might want to talk to you about that because I really think that the AAVL website should have a link to the Vision Aware um, yeah, website. Yeah, we've got a lot of resources. I think, I think we might. It. I know we have a link to, I think we have a link to APH, and I think I had Vision Aware there, but I'll double check. Okay. okay, excellent. Because we've got a lot of things like a getting started kit, you know, where do you begin yes. thing that we it, can it's, send it's out. A, it's, a good, it's a good resource, and a lot of the people who put it together were very good. They're just not working in that area anymore, unfortunately, or at least not for AFB. Um, well, no, they've right. changed their focus, and so we kind of right. – um, we're an orphan child out there waiting, looking for a place to go, and APH took us. So we're unpaid, oh. but there's about hmm, probably 30 to 40. Um, a lot of people with rehab um, teaching experience, a lot of people who've been around for a while. So we have a pretty good handle on so cool. coping stuff, and we will take questions like, you know, it can be something really wacko, like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what to do with my wife. She she uh, can't manage when I, when we're out, and I would take her to a public restroom. She can't manage, and and of course, logically, she should have some cane instruction. But we just all put our heads together, and each of us put in like a couple of lines and wrote an article about exploring public restrooms. <laughs> how do how do uh, Deanna going to have to let you go because we sure. have to we have to wind down. 
So, Miss Terry, give your give your contact information quickly, and then we'll go to Sandy, and then to Jeff. Okay. Thank you so much for having me on this evening. My contact information is Terry Patch. That's T is in Thomas, E R R Y, P is in Peter, A C H at Verizon.net. And our show is Visibilities at Thursday night on uh, Zoom and ACB Radio Community at 7 p.m. Eastern. And thank you again. Oh, you're welcome. Sandy. Okay. My phone number, if anyone wants to call, is 240-328-3033. And my email is my first initial and last name, S. Traiano. So it's S-T-R-O-I-A-N-O at bwra.com and the AAVL website let me get it in quickly it's aavl-blind-seniors.org excellent mr jeff and and sandy works very hard at keeping up that website so i want to thank her for that so my email is j s as in steven because if i don't say that people think it's an f js tom t h o m at comcast.net and my cell number is, if people want to call, is 916-995-3967. And dues are only $15 a year. Yes. And Mr. Jeff and Miss Sandy and Miss Terry, thank you to all three of you for being a part of Tuesday Topics. Next week, Jeff's coming back, but he's coming at 7 this time. Yeah, this and time we're I'll show talk- up on time. We're going to talk about the history of ACB voting and other entities uh, that have introduced remote voting and how it works and what doesn't work. So join us next week at Tuesday Topics. And in the meantime, remember that getting old only happens once you decide you're wearing out. Good night. Okay, great job, everybody. Great show. Great, great show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me as well. Thank thank you to all three of you. You guys made it a great show. Yeah, it was a great, very good show. You had had about 50 50 people at the peak. I I was betting that Jeff just uh, thought it was 8 o'clock. Oh, God. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It was a good thing Larry Gassman called me and like, where are you? Hey, Jeff, we never talked after the convention. How'd you like your ADP segment? My what? The awards, oh. the ADP awards. Yeah, no, I liked it. I liked it. Came, yeah. out, came out good. Came out yeah, right I out thought good. so too. Yeah, yeah, it really did. So... All right. Okay, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Sarah. (laughs) Yep. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. We'll catch you next week. Mr. Asman, sir, we will. If they let me. Thank you so much. I do. (laughs) Good. Take care. Good Good night, everybody. Good night.